had family come around to your house or where you live and with great enthusiasm, they say to you, I bought some stuff, I thought you might like it. Anyone? Yes. This, this week, um, I had a member of my family uh, drop in and they did exactly that. Now, coming from a long line of Tupperware hoarders, it immediately gave me a cold shiver because I'm like, oh, what is happening here? Anyway, together we opened up this little box and um, it was something actually really special that my mum had given to our son. And so he opened it up and she's like, oh, be careful with this. And uh, he opened up really and undid the wrapping out of the box and there was a Bible in it. And it wasn't his Bible, it actually belonged to a family member. You know, when you get to a point where you're like, is that a great, 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 like how do they fit into it? Anyway, this Bible was from 1884 and in the front it was dedicated to, you know, to such and such, may the word of God speak to you, like signed whoever, some distant relative of ours, immediate but distant relative of ours. And so, like we looked at this and I was just like, that's, that's incredible, isn't it, you know, that this, this gift, the Word of God, was given to someone on a day of celebration to them. And, of course, I opened it up and all that. Like, there was, it was really well-worn. It's like, it looked like this has been used quite a lot. And, you know, seeing the, the verses that were underlined or highlighted. And my mind went to thinking, like, how much has our world changed since that person was given that Bible as a gift? You know, what, what was their life like compared to mine or ours now? What was their level of education compared to ours? Simple as like, you know, when they got up in the morning and they wanted to go somewhere, what was their transportation? You know, we, we jump in a car or do whatever and, you know, how did they even get around in their day? What was, what was their access to good healthcare like compared to ours? What was technology like compared to us? And as I thought about that, my mind went back to those words that we've just read together from Psalms. And how much more has the world changed since the psalmist wrote those words about the, the, how good and faithful God is in, in his life, in their life, and how, how true that is today as well. Because since those words were written, empires have na- and nations have risen and then fallen. During that time, whole languages have come and gone. Religions have raced to the surface and then others have come and taken their place. Power has changed from different regions in the world. Got me thinking about this passage. We don't have it on the screen. It's from 1 Peter 1 and it says, For all people, all of us are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I know it's not a very reassuring passage for those of you that really struggle with hay fever at this time of year, like talking about grass and seeds and all that. But, you know, it does, isn't it? Like life can go past, like days go like that. And here's this incredible promise that actually, no, the word of God endures And so when I grabbed hold of that Bible the other night when it was given to our son, I was like, you know, this is symbolic, not only, you know, that we can have scripture in front of us, but that more so the character and God is unchanging and he is good and he is faithful towards us. And Pastor Matt has talked about this the last little while about how like we live in a rapidly evolving society and culture. You know, and on some days it would be it would be easy and you know an accurate thing to you know acknowledge the decline of Christian values and ethos within our society. 
We could discuss together about how it seems to be increasingly more challenging for Christians to express their faith in the public square. You know, unless you've been living under a rock the last little while, some very high profile situations in the newspaper, on, on social media about how can Christians, you know, have, hold the conviction of their faith and hold an office in, you know, public or private settings. You know, you don't have to look too far to see, you know, the, that the long-held Christian, um, Christian convictions uh, can be portrayed in the media as controversial, you know, that what we once, what we stood for was once seen as the norm, but now it's seen as controversial, even though some of those, that ethos and morals were actually the very thing that has seen um, humanity thrive and flourish over its existence. You know, it's maybe not speaking so much that we have changed, but our culture is changing and we, we need to acknowledge that. And I sit alongside and listen to people, as I'm sure you do, with the question like, they say, well, I go to a workplace and the biggest thing on their mind is how do I live out my faith? How do I live out, how do I read scripture and have these deep convictions around the life that, and choices that God has called me to and yet my colleagues or my boss might ask me to compromise that and what do I do and maybe I even feel like my employment is at stake and I have family and children to consider, where is God in all this? And it's such a, sitting with someone like that and going, this, there's no simple answers, is there? There's no simple answers and the value of sitting alongside someone and just going, well, let's pray about that and, and listen to them and care for them deeply because there's, it's just, there's just not answers to those kind of situations. And I think in the midst of that, and our Pastor Matt's been talking about this, about how we have a really crafty enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who would love nothing more than to see us, you know, let go of the faith that has shaped our lives and shaped our hearts and shape the people around us. We, we're the beneficiary of being part of a church family. Like that, We're blessed because other people around us have held on to their convictions and gone, you know, I'm not going to move. And we have an enemy, you have an enemy, who would love nothing more than to see that slip through your hands and you to make choices that aren't in line with that. And I think at times I've got to remember not to get carried away. Because, you know, I'll have a tough conversation here and there with someone and, you know, get a bit of a whack for, you know, in normal conversation is people will pleasantly ask each other what they do and it'll come to me and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to answer this question because I think I know how the, I, I'm part of a church and I'm a pastor at a church. Well, let me tell you what I really think. And, you know, I'll have a bit of a hard conversation and you know what? I should cop some whacks. You know, pastors and leaders in churches have done some awful things and they continue to do by God's grace, I always pray that I'm not going to be one of those pastors and leaders. But, you know, as a church, we're, we're responsible for some pretty ordinary moments in history, aren't we? You know, and so I'm listening and also, but I kind of go away discouraged. I'm like, I didn't really need that kind of discouragement. I, I can kind of get this sense of like, John, are you being persecuted for your faith? And then I think about, I was going to... I was, I was kind of hoping you weren't going to be here, Phil and Carol, because I'm going to talk about you in your absence, but just block your ear. Yeah, 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 go and grab a cuppa. You know, I can, but you know, maybe you've had, have you, has anyone else had conversations like that where you feel like you've taken a bit of whack for your faith? And I go, oh, persecution. And then I think of Phil and Carol heading off to Nigeria of how many years will this be? Serving 40, 40 something, 48 years. 
to go into a region of the world where I come away from a tough conversation and my physical safety is just at the same level it was before I started that conversation, yet they're choosing to go into significant uncertainty with their own well-being at risk, like not knowing what they're going to face. And I go like, oh, that, now that is the potential for persecution. Not to diminish what I experienced, but I'm like, I actually think what Phil and Carol are choosing to enter into uh, and, the, and the, uh, like the enemy is at work there who would be saying, the enemy doesn't want to have people to be introduced to a relationship with Jesus and have their life changed. And there's a persecution that comes with that. But I look at my own life and I look at our lives and I would say, I'm not sure persecution is the biggest thing that we will face in our opposition. I think one of the greatest things that we can face is not persecution, but it is the enemy giving us apathetic hearts. I don't, I don't think persecution is in the enemy's game plan for us right now. I actually don't think the enemy has to resort to persecution because he gets us with apathy. I don't know about you, but sometimes apathy does the job for me. Apathy does the job to me when I can be so tempted to keep on scrolling and searching and looking, and yet I can hear this quiet voice saying, Jono, like, I desire a deeper relationship with you, and I can hear the Holy Spirit almost like just saying, like, Jono, will you put your phone down and just be with me for a moment? I'm sure I'm the only one in this room that that happens to, right? And do you know what? That, there's an element of truth to that. You know, as a... As a church, we're in such a blessed position. We have come off the back of lockdowns and social isolation and disconnection in an amazing way. And I attribute that to two things. One is the grace of God, and two, that is the efforts of the people within our church. You know, to step back into even as simple as worshipping together, because the state of the church in Australia, a key demographic that hasn't returned is 40 to 65-year-olds. The, the church in Australia has seen a significant drop-off. Like Those people just in a lot of churches have just not returned. And they are either completely absent or they're spiritually just growing, going through the motions. And I'm so thankful that, you know, that's not really true of our church here at One Hope. Like I said, I think that's by God's grace and the effort of us as a church community to go, actually, we are going to value that. We are not going to let apathy grip our hearts and we're not going to be half-hearted and, you know, we're going to get back into the rhythms and routines that we know are faithful, that, are, that fill our faith and are good for us. You know, I think we should continue to pray for the church in our own country and say, God, would you light a fire under those people that have seen their faith dwindle, you know, for, what, for, for whatever reason? Because that... that Age group, 40 to 65-year-olds, that, that age group carries such significant weight in the life of the church. Because in that age group, I think you've still got the energy to contribute and help like, kind of put the backpack on your shoulders and help things happen, but also you've got enough life experience to go, you know, you've seen some ups and downs, you've copped some wax, and you know the faithfulness of God, and so you can offer that strength to an emerging generation. And I've got friends in that situation who fall into that age group just like I do. And I'm saddened, I'm, I'm heavy-hearted by it because I just think, I pray for them and just go, you know, may we as a generation, that age group, not let down a younger generation because we're half-hearted, because we've let apathy grab hold of us. Because I see in the life of our church an incredible heart by, you know, our 20 and 30-somethings who are just like, you know what? 
uh, I just want to be all in for whatever God is doing in my life. And that needs older people to steward and support and pray and fill with faith. I don't know about you, but I don't think there's too many harder things, too many harder moments than when you hear from a friend or someone you've been journeying alongside where they just say, essentially they're saying, you know what, faith, relationship with God, uh, just, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. And you will know if you've been in that situation that you're like, oh man, what was once passionate and full of faith is now you know, apathetic or there's lack of interest or enthusiasm and they just seem to wander away from, you know, wander away, sometimes wander away from the church and most often I see that, that that ties in with walking away from a relationship with God. And so I sit and like I listen and maybe you've been in that situation too where it's like how do we hold on to our faith? How do we hold on to our faith and, you know, be compassionate, understanding of the person, the journey that they're on in front of us without compromising on the mission that God has called each and every one of us to? Now, to demonstrate this, I, um, I bought something that's in my office, okay? I'm going to grab some of these. Okay, here we go. This lives in my office. Anyone ever have uh, their best days on the tennis court with one of these bad boys? Yes, look at you come out. All right, Phil Brown, forehand. Uh, oh, good skills. All right, who's someone over this side? Uh, you? I don't even know you. What's your name, mate? Ross. Ross. Now, can't make any promises. Oh, Ross is good. All right, someone way up the back. Who's going to have it? Devin Murray. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Maybe someone shorter. Shorter. You're not convinced. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Do you know what? I have this, I have this tennis racket in my office because um, actually we've got a, I found this picture during the week. Look at this. <laughs> this is a tennis club from up in Bendigo Way, Bendigo Way about 1915. So Molly, this might be some of your relatives there in that, uh, in that picture. Don't they look like a happy bunch? You know, nothing like playing tennis in an overcoat, hey? You know. But I'm not, I'm not very good at tennis. I'm not very good at tennis at all. But I keep this tennis racket and it normally lives in one of those frames to make sure it, you know, it doesn't buckle and you look at your tennis racket and it's all skewed. But I keep this in my office because it reminds me whenever I look at it. Because whenever we go and play tennis, I don't know if you go and play tennis with a racket like this, every chance you don't, okay? Like they're, they're amazing. Like they, they look like the new ones are made out of the material that they lo- made up, like the space shuttle and stuff like that. They're incredible and they're all swish and rounded and, and they're nothing like this. Like this racket, you had to hit it dead centre or it was like flying off to the side. Like you knew if you could win with this racket, you were very good. <laughs> but I look at this racket and I just think, what's the, what's the main game of tennis? If nothing else, what do you want to do in tennis? You want to hit, yeah, you want to hit the ball, but where do you want the ball to go? You just want to get the ball back over the net and in, right? Okay. Clearly none of us are experts. You just want to get the ball back over the net. And so I look at that tennis racket and I just go like, man, who played with this and were they good or were they bad? And it looks well looked after. Like they clearly weren't the John McEnroe of local tennis and smashing it, but My heart and mind goes to the fact that, you know, just as tennis rackets have evolved and, you know, you're not going to strut out on the court with that, so has our society. So has our culture. But the goal is exactly the same in tennis. Like, it doesn't matter what racket you hold, you want to get it back over the net and into the court. And this is only, I'm using a metaphor this morning, so I don't read too much into it. But, you know, our faith is exactly the same, isn't it? 
things change and, you know, the, uh, our society changes and sometimes it can feel like it changes in, in an instant. But the thing that we're called to is, you know, just get the ball back over the net. And I'm really thankful for the journey that, you know, maybe not everything over the last couple of years has been amazing. Maybe you'd say not a lot of it has been flash for you personally. But I'm so thankful for the part that faith has played in the life of our church where I've looked around and, you know, people in the midst of hard and challenging seasons, they're just like, when it comes to faith, I'm just getting the ball back over the net. I'm just going to get the ball back over the net. And as Aussies, don't like, I don't know heaps about tennis, but, you know, that seems to be a bit of a characteristic of tennis players that we love. Like, are we, are we drawn to the obnoxious people with huge amounts of talent that don't really seem to, like, maybe give their all at times? Or do we go for the battler who just go, maybe might not be the most talented, but gives absolutely everything they have? Which one are you picking? This one or that one? This one. We love that one, don't we? That one might not be the best, but they seem to have a bit of dog in them and a bit of mongrel and they like race around and like they never give up. And so when they win a point, we're all just like, yes, like you're clearly not the best, but you never gave up. You never gave up. And I think about some people in our church, particularly some of our older folk, you know, people that have retired in the last couple of years, you know, we've got people in our church who maybe you joined with church online you know, and so you, even though we couldn't meet personally, that you're able to worship together and like feel a sense of connection. We've got some older crew, even here at our Moolap congregation, who they never had reliable internet all the way through lockdowns, okay? So they didn't, they didn't have any of that, right? They didn't have any of church online or the meetings that we could do and things like that yet. Yet, when we could, and this feels like a very vague memory now, remember when we could first come together and meet back in person, whenever that was back in the dark ages? You know, but do you know who the first ones here were? Those people. Those people. And it really intrigued me, just going like, surely that is a moment where they're just like, well, I'm putting the racket back in the case and I'm packing up the balls and that'll do me for faith. This has been such a hard slog for these last few years. But here they are, they're the first ones back. And so I just started asking them like, what have you been doing the last couple of years that you, while some of us may feel like we're kind of limping along in our faith, that you seem to be on fire? And I wrote down a couple of things. I'm not going to say their names. One person said to me, well, I just started making a prayer list of all the people that I could remember in our church family. And I just prayed all day for us. They just prayed for us. And so over those couple of years of disconnection, they came back and they were on fire. You know, and their level of ownership of like, they're asking me questions like, Jono, um, you know, what about such and such? How are they going? Like, was it, what can I pray for them? I'm like, oh, we well, could probably pray this. Great. Out with a notepad, like writing it down. Someone else. I know someone else. And I know they're here this morning, so, you know, they taught themselves to play a musical instrument in their garage and played hymns, you know? And I know, I know this person had the internet and they had, but, you know, that was their thing, like, I'm, I'm going to learn this and I'm going to connect in my faith and I'm going to grow. Listening to a person who said, John, I wasn't sure what else to do and I'd never read through the Bible, so I just picked it up one day and I said, I'm just going to keep reading through the Bible. As long as we can't gather together, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the word. And it, and it soaked into them and it changed them. One of my favourites was a person who said, well, I couldn't hear Matt's sermons or when you got up to preach, Jono. So I knew that in one, I call it my junk room. We've all got a junk room, right? In my junk room, I know I had a cassette player. 
a cassette player, right? And they said, oh, I had all these old cassettes from the 1980s. So I just started listening to old sermons. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Like, I love that. Like, you wouldn't be able to find a cassette if you wanted to, would you, really? Like, yeah? Don't date yourself there. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Can you go and explain to them? There's a few over there that they're just like, what's a cassette? What's a cassette? To use an example, these people came back and they were just like, it's like they'd just been saying their prayer had been through all these challenges. God, I don't want my faith to go down. I don't want my faith to die. God, I need you here with me right now. God, like the psalmist said, God, I wanna, I, I, I'm going to tell of your power. I'm going I'm to hook into what you're doing, God. God, you have done great things. Who is like you? And, and in quiet places and often in isolation by themselves, their faith was growing and flourishing. It was incredible. And I love it how those words that the psalmist sings are not only for someone else, they're for us. They're for us personally. And so God always calls us to a mission where there's people in our, there's people in our streets and maybe our neighbours at our workplaces who, who haven't got a relationship with Jesus. And so that, those words from Psalm 71 are a declaration to them. God is strong. God is powerful. God will be with you. God has forgiven you, but they're also words for us as well. Mindful of the time this morning, I'd just love to share with you um, three things about, I think, you know, if faith in action sees us continue to break through and keep apathy at bay, then I just want to highlight a couple of things that as a church family that are important for us to, um, to continue to talk about. One of those, the first one that I'd like to share, um, I'll preface it by saying this. The other day we had a family dinner with um, my wife's side of the family. And so our nephew was there and he's 22, 22. And um, as what normally happens with a family get together when people have known each other for a while, like chaos ensues. You don't have to explain a lot. There's just lots of random conversations going on and things like that, except for one person that was there. And that was our nephew's girlfriend. And they've only been going out for a little while. And I, as far as I know, I don't think she'd ever been at a family get-together. And so there was moments where she just had really wide eyes, just like, you know, when you, know, when you feel like the odd one out, like, oh, anyway. Um, if you are a guest this morning or you've been dragged along by a friend, you're not, you're not part of One Hope, okay? So you wouldn't call One Hope your church home. You can be like that nephew's girlfriend, okay, right? It's like, I'm not going to say this next bit to you. This is, you can hear it, but it's for people here at um, Amulap Congregation. Does that make sense? Cool. Because uh, it's a little bit challenging. The first thing that I think we're going to need to continue to talk about, about our faith in action, is um, a really simple one. And that's our giving, our tithing together giving a portion of our income back to God. And so uh, we, we're a church in two locations. We've got our Barrable Hills campus and we've got here at our Moolap campus. We've got a, also got a number of people that connect online due to um, social distance or because of poor health, like they, they connect online because they're unable to be here in person. But for us here at our Moolap congregation, that's a conversation I think it's good for us to continue to raise and hopefully talk about that in a really helpful way. Because at the moment... Um, in all honesty, we're being carried a bit by our, the, our brothers and sisters at our Barrable Hills congregations. 
you know, they're investing in us. And so I know talking about money can be a sensitive issue and I'm not going to try and go into the details now, but simply to say I think that's a good and healthy thing for us to continue to talk about our giving, um, especially given that, like we've talked about, and we're going to continue this conversation, that we, we um, call home in this kind of ageing building that has some faults. And so we need to be thinking about what does the next 10, 20, 30 years look like for us as a church family and as we grow, uh, as we uh, are part of a, a growing region as well. And so, uh, yeah, the conversation about what do we do with our building and redeveloping it as well, those two things um, go hand in hand. So... Some of you have got a cold sweat going on right now, so I'll move on from money. <laughs> Second thing is, um, had it in my heart for a little while where, um, and we'll hear about more, you'll hear more about this in the coming weeks, and that is um, we're going to set aside a week where we're calling the whole church to pray for kids and, and families of, of young kids in the life of our church. Um, there was a moment a little while ago, I'll share more about this um, in a couple of weeks' time, but there was a moment that just struck me. I was listening to how a, a family with young children was doing and it, I just heard circumstances where I'm like, you know, you know those moments where you're like, you wish you could find an answer, but you just go, the only answer to this is God intervening and doing something miraculous. And so together we're going to do that as a church family in a little while during a week in November where we're going to commit to praying really simply. That's all we're going to do. There's not going to be lots of activities, but... We're going to, the invitation is going to be that each and every one of us, we're going to pray deliberately for families with young kids, believing that God will break through into their lives. So something to look forward to. I think that ties in really well with what the psalmist said. They're like, you know, and to this day, I declare your wondrous works. I want to pass on your goodness to the generation that comes after me. It's going to be one of those moments uh, for our church. And finally, the third thing is I'm going to invite um, Caitlin. And is, is your man crush here? Kent here? He is. He's aware? He's outside. Oh, well, maybe he can hear us from there. I'll grab this microphone. So in the absence of Kent, Wayne, maybe you can go find Kent for us. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a dull... Hey, he'll just be avoiding it. Oh, he's that kind of guy. All right, we'll wait to... Well, you can put your hands together for Caitlin while she's here. That's good. Maybe he's... Oh, here he is. Look at him. He's not dragging his feet at all. If you've ever met, you know what? Kent and Tom could have a duel off about who likes to be up the front least. I reckon. Look at this. Look at the enthusiasm. He's practically embodying it. Um, now, that's all right. Jump up there, mate. You're right, mate. You? <laughs> now, um, happy birthday for this week. Is that right? Yeah, so um, Kent's got a birthday this week and the rumour going around is that it's significant and he's not too sure how he feels about it. But anyway, a gift from your life group. So if you want to crack open, do you want to open that now? Open it now. Yeah, go on, you can. <laughs> they um, a sensitive bunch of people that they are as well. Denture brush. There you go. Good on you. Caring, caring life group. You can hold on to that one. But uh, happy birthday for this week. Thank you. Won't go giving away your secrets about how old you are. So, but wanted to invite these guys up the front. So, Caitlin, why don't you tell us a bit about you, your fam? Kent, you can just butt in at any time. But I'm guessing you're more than happy for her to have the microphone. So you go for it, Caitlin. Tell uh, us a bit about your fam. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Caitlin, and this is obviously my husband, Kent. And we've got uh, three kids out there who you probably see around church. Uh, Fern is in grade three, Edie is in grade one, and Jude is in four-year-old kinder. 
Yeah, great. Tell us really briefly a bit about Journey of Faith and, like, you know, how you guys came to be here. Uh, yeah, okay. So, um, uh, as a kid, I went to Cloverdale Baptist Church out in Corio, and then when I turned 18, my mum and dad, in their most loving way, said, Caitlin, we think you should change churches. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, at that stage, there was a really very small young adult community, and so then I started going to Barrable at that stage, um, which would be almost 20 years ago now. And then met my wonderful husband at Red Frogs. So we met briefly, we got to know each other at Red Frogs. So if you haven't signed up for Red Frogs, go and sign up for Red Frogs. Um, and then, yeah, when we got married, Kent wasn't going to Barrable at that stage. He was over at Cadinia. And so we had to make the decision of where to go and ended up at Barrable. And then about four years ago, um, transitioned across to Moolap. That's great. That's great. And do you guys want to just share briefly about what you do for a job, paid work during the week? You've got lots of unpaid work with three young kids, but paid work. Yeah, so I am at home a couple of days with Jude. Um, and then on my other days, I'm a teacher. I'm at Mirapole Primary School. I teach performing arts. And Kent um, works for Victoria Police. He's um, working as a detective up at uh, Werribee. That's good. And could you just give the microphone to Kent for a second? I just, just want to ask you, just, just off the top of your head, tell us three things that you love about your wife. Now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of the, of the best times, but... Uh, just say there's, there's too many. Too many oh, things. Too, to too, too many. Too many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, serious question? No, you don't have to. That's fine. I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw you under the bus. That's not going to come back to bite me at all, is it? Now, um, I wanted to, we're going to hear more about this as a church family, but I wanted to invite Caitlin and Kent up the front because um, Caitlin, there's been a bit of a journey going on behind the scenes and um, Caitlin's accepted the unanimous support of the eldership for her name to be nominated as an elder at our Moolap congregation. So yeah, there you go. So, which is exciting. And so the way that we do that, that obviously any, uh, we vote on that as a church membership and so you'll see... um, you know, Caitlin's name and a bit of a bio appear in all the material leading up to our annual meeting in a month or so's time. And so just wanted to give you the heads up, though, because I feel like it's an exciting move for in the life of our congregation um, here, especially at Moolap. And so um, just wanted to take... I, I know you well enough to speak to your character and your heart, and I see that really evident in your, the way both of you choose to live your life day to day. And so, you know, um, I'm excited for your our opportunity as a congregation to get to know these guys better, especially in Caitlin's role as a, um, as a pastoral elder and um, Kent, love your stable, quiet support that you give to Caitlin in that role as well. So yeah, it's good. If you've got questions for him, you can ask him later on. How does that sound? That's good. Anything else you want to add? That's good. Why don't we put our hands together for these guys then? Thank you. And I just want to, we're going we're gonna to share in communion this morning together. And um, I just wanted to take a moment just to go back, and I believe we've got this um, up on the screen. It's verse 16 of the passage that I read from Psalm uh, 71, and it says really simply, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. And this word go, I will go in the strength of the Lord. I was reading a little bit more about that, and you know, that word go actually means reside. I will live in the strength of the Lord God. I'll be settled and I will have a permanent place in the, in the presence of God. And as I was reading through, I was just like, I just love that. You know, the, the psalmist talks about how amazing God is and yet 
in the amazingness nature of God, we get to reside. We get to reside in that. In a changing culture, in the uncertainties we face, in, in, in the tension of trying to live at our faith in the public square, whatever may come at us, we get to reside in the, the loving, forgiving presence of God. And so I want to invite you, if our host team can come up the front here and they'll hold out the communion elements for you. Um, I want to invite you to um, come and collect, receive the communion elements, take them back to your seat and um, just hold on to them because we'd love to share in that together. So I invite you all to stand and uh, we'll, we'll come and get these elements together. Hold on to them so we can take a moment and pray together. receive the elements if you just want to grab a seat for a moment and uh, just like I said invitation to hold on to the to the bread and the juice we might need a few more across here Ross if we can thanks buddy there's some more up the back there on the tray up the back if anyone's missed out at all Before we share communion together, I just want to share with you a brief story. Uh, in high school, year 11 and year 12, I had a really good friend uh, who was amazing to fit in with today's theme. He was amazing at tennis. He was actually number two in Australia in his age group. So you can imagine um, lining up with him on a Saturday afternoon to have a hit of tennis. It was all one-way traffic, right? He was just incredible. And uh, he would represent our school and we would watch him play tennis. And to watch him play singles was absolutely amazing. Like how hard he could hit and he could serve and he could do all these incredible things. Do you know what? Can you guess what was the only better thing than watching him play singles? Was getting to play doubles with him. He was actually better at doubles tennis than he was at singles tennis. And so for a couple of times, I got to play tennis with my friend, right? And so it was just the best because he was, victory was assured, you know? And can you, can you guess which, line, which word I would often most say when I was playing with him? Yours, yours, yours. And occasionally, once he'd worn down the opposition, mine, smash it over the net, smash it over the net. Bit of a random intro to sharing communion together, right? But my point is this, and it's only a metaphor, please. Like, can God do the most incredible, powerful things because He, he is omnipotent? Of course He can. God can do whatever He likes. 
but God would choose to partner with you. God would choose to partner with you in going, I'm just getting faith, I'm going to get the ball back over the net. I hope you realise this morning how incredible that is. That God sees the way that He has gifted you, the way that He has blessed you. God maybe has given you even experiences that you're not sure make sense. How do these fit into your plan for me, God? But God wants to partner with you. And so that's what we celebrate this morning as we share communion. Not only Jesus doing the most amazing thing and sacrificing his life for us, but that we would get to partner with him in his presence. The Holy Spirit is available to us. I'm going to invite us to stand and we're going to just um, share briefly these words from the psalmist. I invite you to stand before we share communion together. I invite you to close your eyes and God, we want to celebrate together this morning your righteousness and your salvation. Jesus, we want to say that you are strong and you have done wondrous works in our life. You continue to do great things. God, you have indeed brought us up from the depths. And as one author said, you know, we acknowledge that we're more sinful and flawed in, ourself, in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are loved and accepted in Jesus Christ more than we could ever dare hope. It's in you that we put our faith in Jesus' name. We say thanks. Amen. Let's share communion and then sing together.